Welcome to The Abandoned Carousel, the show where I take a deep dive into the stories of the most interesting abandoned and defunct theme parks and amusements in the world. I'm your host, Ashley. This week, I'm talking about Okpo Land, a place that, at least in theory, is everything that Takako Numa Greenland was rumored to be. This week, I'm going to unravel for you the history of a long-demolished park, a mystery in South Korea, Okpo Land. If you've ever searched the internet for abandoned theme parks, this place is home to one of the most popular images that you'll see coming up in your generic search. And honestly, it's one of the more spine-tingling images that I've ever seen. And you're going to say, at a theme park? Really? Yes. Have you ever seen a coaster-like ride with sort of duck faces on it? Eyes staring vacantly in odd directions, mouths gaping? Yes, that's Okpoland, and that is one of the most unsettling images that I've seen. We'll get into it. When I started my research for the last episode, Takako Numa Greenland, I got a lot of results for Okpoland. It seems like people really like to um, mix up the two. A lot of sites compound the two theme parks. They either would put images of Okpoland in a Takako Numa Greenland piece or vice versa. And several times I came across references to Okpoland as the true scary, quote unquote scary. Can you hear the air quotes there? Sorry, guys. Spoiler alert. It's a theme park. Which is why I scheduled this episode about Okpoland for the week of Halloween. Happy Halloween if you're listening to this at the same time that it releases. Of course, unsurprisingly, in my research, I realized that the truth is quite a lot murkier than the internet rumors might suggest. So, let's get into it. Let's dig into the story of Okpo Land. Okay, so much of the actual history of Okpo Land is shrouded in mystery, rumor, and urban legend. And it's really not helped by the language barrier. You know, kind of like the last episode, it's the same sort of thing. Again, I personally don't speak Korean, and Google Translate honestly has a much harder time with Korean for Okpo Land compared to the Japanese from Takakonuma Greenland. So my research for this episode actually took a lot longer than uh, usual. So we'll see whether I get it uh, edited and out on time. So I usually release episodes at about 5 a.m. Central Time on Wednesdays, and I'm recording this at about 2 p.m. on Tuesday the night before. So we'll see how it goes. So Google Translate has a hard time with things. Um, and that's just at, in my own personal research. And I know over the years, Google Translate has really improved in leaps and bounds. And back during the time when the park was still a physical place that you could go visit, 
um, Google Translate couldn't do this for you. So it's easy to see, you know, not getting too ahead of myself, but the language barrier for a lot of people might be one reason why there are so many internet rumors about this place compared to what the actual reality may or may not be. But I am getting a little bit ahead of myself there, so let's get back to my notes and get back to where we're supposed to be. So Google Translate has a hard time with some things. And so I think this leads to an audience writing things about the park, just kind of making stuff up or getting things wrong through translation. And that probably includes myself, you know, caveat. Um, But one of these things is the actual opening date of the park. The closing date is pretty well consistent, and we'll get to that. It's 1999, but nearly every source on the internet disagrees on the opening date. You know, I'm already talking around myself in my notes um, in this part of the episode, but nearly all of the articles about Okpo Land Online are like this internet telephone rumor thing, and they're simply copying the same story idea and embellishing it without any effort at verification or fact. And again, this is probably the translation language barrier issue. But still, there is no excuse for shoddy research. Some of the sites call the park one of the most popular theme parks in Asia, which honestly seems quite hard to swallow. It's a really small park. And some claim the park had been operational for decades prior to its 1999 closure, which again seems really hard to swallow, which we'll get to. This is a park that has a real 90s aesthetic, and so it's really hard to swallow that it might have been built in the 70s. It just does not compute. The truth really seems quite different from news articles to internet rumor sites. And so if you look for this site at any sort of abandoned theme park place or abandoned urban exploration picture site or, you know, whatever, you're going to get a much different story than if you go to semi-legitimate news sources. And again, I don't speak the language, but I can kind of tell what looks like a legitimate news source compared to, you know, random urban exploration site xyzrumorrumor.com or whatever. Okay, so I did find some local articles that I was able to translate through Google Translate. And one explicitly gave me the opening date of 1996. Another different news source also gave me that opening date, 1996. And yet another one described the park as having only been open for two years prior to its closure. And again, this all makes sense. This all fits together. The park decor is all very 90s, and those kinds of dates add up. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm kind of, usually I'm a little bit more organized, but the research for this episode has been so slow because of the language barrier that I'm just going to go ahead and apologize. This might be a rambly one. I'm sorry in advance. Let's get back to a broader picture. Okpo land was located in Goje in South Korea. Goje is the name of the city, 
and Akpodong is one of the many neighborhoods within the city. And of course, you can see that given the name, Akpo Land was located in the neighborhood Akpodong. It sat on top of a hill. It overlooked the harbor. Goje is actually home to some of the largest shipbuilders in the world, including Daewoo Shipbuilding and Marine Engineering, or DSME. And we'll get back to them in a little while. At the time, Akpoland was apparently the only amusement park on Goje Island, so it was reported to have a captive audience. The audience apparently was not particularly interested in visiting Akpoland, whether it was because of something about the park itself, you know, you might, we can get into it about the rides or the theming, but let's back up a little bit and talk about the economy of South Korea in the late 90s. And yes, that sounds super boring, and no, I'm not an economist, nor do I play one on TV, but I think that it's a little bit important to help understand what appears to have gone down with Akpo Land. So, one of the news articles from the legitimate sites um, that I found describes Akpo Land as having quote-unquote sluggish business. Another article describes the park as having a quote-unquote operating deficit. And so I googled that because what does that mean? As lawinsider.com defines it, quote, insufficient cash flow from the improvements to cover normal operating expenses and maintenance, end quote. So the park didn't have enough money. A third article blamed the quote-unquote IMF cold wave. Now, this was where, again, disclaimer, I'm not an economist. Everything I know came from like Wikipedia and a random Google article. But I do know more now than I did before I started this research. So, from my understanding, this is how it went. In late 1997, there was a financial crisis in East and Southeast Asia. It stemmed from the financial collapse of the Thailand currency. And this spread and it caused financial distress to a number of other countries in this area. South Korea was actually one of the countries hardest hit by the financial crisis. And in December of 1997, the International Monetary Fund, or IMF, stepped in with a multi-billion dollar plan to help stabilize South Korea's economy. And in return, the country had to undergo financial restructuring. And so this led to some economic stuff. The details aren't particularly important. What is important is the economy apparently continued to shrink throughout 1998. It seemed to rebound in 1999, with the president of South Korea declaring the crisis over in December of 1999. But, 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 it was too late for Akpo land. It's clear that even with the most basic understanding of world economics, that against this background of financial crisis, the people of Goje probably didn't have the means to be spending money on things like an amusement park. And if they did, they were probably going to go to a different, bigger, nicer park. 
And Ockpoland, which seems to have been started in a time of financial prosperity in round about 1996, probably couldn't draw the paying crowds that it needed in the hard times of 97 and 98. And before the park could really try again in the summer of 1999, it was just too late. The Goje Times gives May of 1999 as the closure date for Ockpoland, and as I said before, Nearly every source, legitimate or not, does agree with the year of 1999 as the closure for Akpoland. Why am I starting already with the closure of Akpoland when we're just starting the episode? Because, of course, what I haven't told you at all is the dark side of the Akpoland legend. You know, all the deaths. Many internet legends talk about the one or more deaths in the park's early years. And then almost all of the internet legends talk about the final death at Akpoland, the death in 1999. Like I've told you, we haven't really talked about the park itself. We'll get there. But as I alluded to at the beginning of the episode, there was a duck ride. Not a roller coaster, as many descriptions say, but a monorail sky cycle business. Another one of these two-person visitor-pedaled rides in the sky. And this one had a duck theme. A horrifying, horrifying duck theme. How can a duck theme be horrifying, you might ask? The duck in front of each pedal car had an overly large head, a wide gaping mouth, and two comically large cartoon anime eyes, each pupil staring vacantly in opposite directions. The eyes seem to follow you wherever you move. I've seen a lot of creepy, spine-tingling things in the length of time when I've been fascinated with abandoned theme parks, but these duckheads from Okpoland have always been, and still remain, one of the creepiest things that I've ever seen. The legend. The legend goes that the final car on one train of the duck ride derailed, dangling from the tracks and dropping its rider to the ground, killing her instantly. Furthermore, the legend goes, the owner then disappeared overnight, leaving the park as it was, and leaving the girl's family without compensation or apology. The park was reportedly shuttered by the authorities and declared unsafe, left behind with all the rides still left in place. This is the urban legend that surrounds Akpo Land. I spoke over email with urban explorer John Dunbar. He runs the site Dayhan Mind Decline, and he's a well-known urban explorer in South Korea, and he has an Instagram of very cute cat pictures. John's images are some of the most common images you'll see of Okpo land in its abandoned state. I'm including a few images of John's in my show notes page and in social media promos for the episode, with permission, and I encourage you to follow the links back to his site 
from more images. John told me over email about his history exploring the park between late 2007 and mid-2011. According to him, at the time of his first visit, he had found a single blog by a German photographer which had contained a version of that urban legend. Lighter on the details, perhaps, but with the essence, a death at the park and a second death being the reason for the park's closure. John went on to tell me about his first visit back in late 2007, finding one of the duck rides hanging from the track. He imagined the rumored second death happening there, with the owners hypothetically leaving the ride broken in C2 in the hurry to close the park permanently. But, as he goes on to say, the German blog is long gone, and he can't really find any sources for these rumors. Believe me, I've tried to find this German blog as well. You know I love a good internet hunt. Not even the Wayback Machine could help with this one. If you're wondering where this rumor came from about the girl dying after a fall from the duck ride, it's likely that it got started from one of John's very, very nice pictures. The truth is probably most likely the prosaic, not enough visitors, not enough money, and less likely the salacious, deaths and quick park closures to escape a bad situation. We'll never really know, but we'll get into it a little bit more. After its sudden closure in 1999, Aqualand sat, completely in place, abandoned, a magnet for urban explorers. The Gojay Times article from 2006 calls the abandoned park the quote-unquote city's monster. Whether this is a mistranslation or an accurate turn of phrase, I'm delighted by this description. So let's talk about the city's monster. Akpo land was small. It was perched up on a hillside. It had great views, but not a lot of land area. This meant that like Takagonuma Greenland and many of the other parks I've talked about here on the abandoned carousel, there really were only a handful of rides. It was a small local park. There were sort of three main areas that we'll talk about today. There was a swimming pool area down below, and then two separate hilltop areas, each anchored by one of the elevated track rides. I found a few park signs, but as I kind of rambled about earlier, Google Translate has a hard time with Korean. A lot harder time understanding Korean than it does Japanese. However, I've spent a <clears throat> indescribable amount of time uh, with multiple images of the park's directional signs and with the images I found of a park guide map. And I think I've gotten it mostly correct. Unsurprisingly, after I went through the trouble of sketching a broken park version of the map, I managed to find a nicer version from a guidebook. Uh, but that's, of course, just the way it goes. So, of course, you know that I did sketch my own version of the park map to help you understand the layout of the park and so that I could understand the names of all the rides. And so, of course, you will always find pictures, show notes, references at my website, theabandoncarousel.com. If you've got corrections, comments, clarifications, or opinions, I'm happy to take them all. You can find my contact info at the website. 
So let's get into it. Going from roughly the least well-known to the most well-known, let's talk about the rides at Okpo Land. First of all, we're going to talk about some high-top shoes. Not actually shoes, of course. These were miniature basketball hoops inside shoe facades branded as high tops. Just one word. And this was actually an arcade game. Uh, very cool looking, if I do say so myself, manufactured by Skee-Ball. I will link to a sale listing for a brand new version of the game. And I'll include a link to an image of the very destroyed, very abandoned version so you can compare them side by side. I will definitely say that the years were not kind to the high tops at Okpo Land. Of course, there were basic arcade game staples like air hockey. And then there was a motion simulator, a Doron Precision Simmons SRV. You've probably seen something like this at a carnival or at a theme park near you. And I will include a link in the show notes to one in motion, which is kind of neat. Um, of course, the simulator at Okpoland was not in very fine shape after the years of abandonment. And um, it was covered in some rather tacky graffiti. Of course, all graffiti is fairly tacky, but this one's even more so. So now, in the park's abandonment, these arcade games that I just mentioned to you, they were all outside in what appears to be sort of an entrance plaza. And it's really hard to say, I go back and forth on this, but it really seems like this was not their original home. Um, the arcade building was labeled as Carnival Corner on the signs in the map, and it seems to have been one of the buildings that was targeted um, by arsonists in the last years of the park's um, abandonment. Um, that being said, every single abandoned photo that I've seen does have all these items outside in the plaza. So including the, the earliest online images that are 2007 or 2008. So... It's, it's hard to really say. I don't, I don't have enough information to give you any further detail on where these rides were located. And in, in a quick sidebar, it's, it's really interesting to me that the park was abandoned for so long. And there are so few pictures from a certain period online. So from 1999 until... 2000, early 2007, there are no pictures from that period. And aside from a park promotional brochure that I will talk about later, there's no pictures from the park's operation either, which is weird. Again, it's probably the translation thing. And it's probably, we'll get into it when I talk about the duck ride. But it's, it's, it's just strange that there's not more pictures online from the period between 1999 and 2007. Anyways, sidebar over, we'll get back to that. So the next thing I want to talk about in this area was something that was called battery. Battery. I checked and I've double-checked this translation, and Google's really proud of this one. It gives it this fancy check mark when I run it, the Korean word for battery, through Google Translation. 
It's very proud of this word. So it's really sure that this is the right, right translation for this word. And what the park map has labeled as battery was located within this fenced square right off the entrance plaza. And it's this fenced square, concrete painted green. And it's actually behind all of the arcade games that I was talking to you about. And I'm not really sure what this was. So I've got one kind of crazy theory. And this stems from an early picture that shows the view from the top of the coaster. There was sort of two large foam-looking items sitting off in the vegetation adjacent to this green square that was labeled as battery. And so my first thought was perhaps this attraction was like a gladiator-type thing where guests could put on giant foam-fighting gloves and kind of like batter one another. I don't know. That one does seem a little far-fetched the more I think about it. Um, So the other idea, and we'll kind of get there, is there were two sets of bumper cars. And one of the sets of bumper cars was just kind of piled in this entrance plaza with all the arcade games, with the motion simulator and with the high top shoes and with air hockey table. They're just kind of bumper cars piled there. And my original assumption during a lot of the research for this episode was that these were just piled there because urban explorers put them there. But I did see in the promotional brochure that I found very late in my research for the park, they did show little cartoon blobs that look like bumper cars in this area. So maybe, I mean, maybe this was like a battery operated bumper car area, like open air battery operated bumper cars. I don't know. So I don't really know anything concretely, but your guess is as good as mine. Moving on, if we keep going sort of back behind the battery area, we have what is labeled on the map as the mini train. Of course, it's an episode of the abandoned carousel, which means we are much more likely to feature a train than a carousel. This episode, we do have both a train and a carousel, much to my delight. Not much is really known about the train. I know you're going to hear that reiterated a lot in today's episode. Um, The train was, it just looks like sort of a generic, there's one image from the parks operation from that promotional brochure that shows the train in operation. And it's just, it's really generic looking. And it had kind of flat cars behind it, flat open air cars that maybe sat one or two passengers per seat and pulled them around on this like teeny tiny little train track. It ran roughly, again, like I said, behind the green battery plaza, uh, behind that entrance plaza, underneath the squirrel coaster. And there were almost no pictures of it, but a couple of urban explorers did post pictures of the train and tracks left to decay. So John Dunbar photographed a rusted shell of an engine on a rusted and overgrown train track during his last visit in 2011. And the rest of the train cars and a majority of the engine parts have been long gone by this point. There were, of course, plenty of other things that go as befits a theme park. So there were two sets of bumper cars, as I kind of mentioned already. One set, the set that was sort of left out in the elements, was your basic, sleek, kind of future modern bumper car. 
And then the other set was kept stored away under some tarps in an unknown building. And this had more of a vintage, old-timey overlay. You might think of the cars at Mr. Toad's Wild Ride at Disneyland for an idea if you don't want to go look at the pictures that I will, of course, link to you in the show notes. So, like I said, the park map does actually include a caption that indicates that the bumper cars were run on this circular platform at the far end of the park. But we also have this brochure picture that indicates that the battery, quote unquote, might have also had bumper cars. So there's some mystery there. And so then, remember I said the park was really small. There wasn't a lot of land area, especially because a lot of the park was very hilly. So there's a lot of like hills. And so you're really limited on, you know, the land area of the park. Again, this is an island. This is Goje Island. So they made really good use of their land area. A lot of the rides were sort of tucked in amongst one another, and there were multiple levels. So the bumper cars, the one area where we have bumper cars in the legend on the map, they were on a circular area at ground level. And then if you went a set of stairs up, you would be on a circular platform, and you would find these very cool flying rockets. It's your standard, you know, you spin, you go up and down kind of ride, you Astro Orbiter or Dumbo if you're a Disneyland person. The park's guide map has a very good name for this one. It translates as Space Fighters. I love it. Though the ride was originally visible from the city, like you could see it from across the harbor, there's not terribly much to say about it. It's basically just sort of simple retro-futuristic spaceship cars that originally had some small canopies. And reportedly, for some of the years of the park's abandonment, you were actually able to use human power to make the cars go around. Of course, by the end of the park's abandonment, they were just, you know, seized up and frozen shut. Next, we move on to some of the more well-known rides. So, of course, the carousel. The carousel at Land is actually right next to the entrance gate and the ticket booth. It's not particularly special, in my opinion. The carousel structure itself is nicely detailed, but the horses, I would almost describe them as horrifying. They're just kind of strange, weird molds, strange expressions, red eyes, leering grins, and not much detail. And so I would really call these low-budget carousel horses. Of course, you could call it a merry-go-round, too, if you want to. I may not have touched on this in my uh, episode on the Floyd J. Moreland carousel that I did a few episodes ago, but there's actually no true difference between a carousel and a merry-go-round, despite what you might have heard. Some say that only horses are on one where the other has many types of animals. Or others point to the spinning direction, clockwise versus counterclockwise, or whether there are twinkle lights, clear or colored. No matter which point of comparison you choose, there are as many rides that break the mold as fit them. So choose whichever name you like. In the park's abandonment, the carousel horses are one of the more persistent amusements to be, let's say, repurposed. 
They appear to have rusted out from the base carousel structure quite quickly. And so, therefore, they were not only used for a photo prop in the standard way, you know, riding on the horse in a silly pose, but they were carried around the park. They were placed in bumper cars. They were peeking out of buildings. Some, some, one of them wears the duck mask for a while. Generally, people had a fun time with the carousel horses. And some even were painted black, as if a vat of black paint were dropped over the top of them. And to be honest, it's an improvement. The abandoned carousel at Akpoland really is, though, incredibly eerie. It's got this rusting out base. It's often filled with pools of water. You see tilting, fallen over horses. You see knocked in decorative panels. You see these still bright plastic or fiberglass decorations broken, but gleaming under the rust and the creeping vegetation. There was also a Viking ship. So the Viking ship is classic. Two-headed dragon-themed swinging boat. We've talked about this kind of ride. It existed at the abandoned Yangon Amusement Park and at Takakonuma Greenland. And of course, the swinging boat ride is a staple of many carnivals, fairs, and theme parks, so I really don't need to go into detail about this kind of ride. Though I will add the interesting sidebar that the predecessor of this ride was called the Ocean Wave and was invented all the way back in the 1890s. The ride at Okpo Land was simply called Viking, which it proclaimed in big English letters right on the sides of the ride. And interestingly, the Viking ride itself was positioned at nearly the apex of the hilly park. So this ride, too, was visible from many parts of the city. And I've read a few reports from urban explorers who actually had the authorities called on them after people spotted them climbing the Viking structure from outside the park. Okay, so before I get to the big rides, let's talk about a few of the other buildings, mostly, at Okpo Land. So per the park map, there were a variety of other structures and buildings in Okpo Land. In the park's abandonment, this isn't really clear because one completely destroyed and graffitied building without any remaining signage pretty much looks like any other. But according to the map, there were multiple buildings. There were stores, a place for karaoke, and then restaurants and restrooms. A fairly large building on the map that isn't ever seen in the exploration photos is the roller skating rink, which would have been behind the Viking ship. And it's possible it wasn't a building, but just a flat concrete area. There was also something, let's say, I'm going to call it a beguiling field of green. It's, it's hard to accurately capture in any photo or even any map, but once you know it's there, you can't unsee it. And this is something that is labeled Four Seasons Sliding Range, which is kind of charming. And this is otherwise known as a long concrete slide down the hill from up by the roller coaster area down to the swimming pool area. And this is all painted a brilliant green and perhaps originally covered in astroturf, although that is not very clear. Were there inner tubes or slick mats that people slid down on or maybe rolly carts? 
It's not clear, and those kinds of small artifacts are long gone or perhaps simply uninteresting to any of the urbex photos that are available. Of course, there was also the swimming pool complex, which was, as I mentioned, located down the hill from the other areas of the park. Geographically, it's closest to the Squirrel Coaster. So the promo brochure for the park that I've referenced several times now does show some other activities that were located in this area, including bowling and handball, but I've never actually seen evidence of these in the shots. So it may be that those were planned, but never actually included. Um, What definitely was there was a variety of swimming pools, hot tubs, and saunas. Of course, in the abandoned stages, the main lap pool was filled with stagnant, horrifying water. Beyond that, there's not really much to say. They're very interesting to look at pictures of, though, so please feel free to check out the links in my references section on the show notes page. All right, let's talk about the squirrel coaster. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. The Squirrel Coaster, or perhaps the Chipmunk Coaster, is the park's perhaps second most famous ride. The Roller Coaster Database, surprisingly, doesn't know the name of this coaster. They just call it Unknown Coaster, and it actually took me a surprisingly long time to find a name for it. The first map that I found that I've been basing a lot of my stuff on, this was displayed in the park, and it has the coaster shown but not captioned in the legend. Can you believe that? It was quite the struggle and very irritating. But eventually I found another map with one additional line in the key, and there was the name. What was it called? The Squirrel Coaster is called Fantasy Express. Squirrel Coaster, Fantasy Express. It is absolutely ridiculous. It's even more ridiculous when you consider the noteworthy factors of the coaster. So... On, on the basics, it's, it's not particularly noteworthy. It's just a cute little coaster, simple shape, no inversions, loops, nothing crazy. What is noteworthy is the location. This coaster is, or was, up on a hill overlooking the harbor, so it had height and view as part of the thrill. But really what's noteworthy is the theme. I have been telling you it's a squirrel coaster. You might think it's a chipmunk coaster. A fat, gleefully chubby animal decorates the the front of the single train car. And he clutches what is probably supposed to be um, an acorn in his hands that are clasped in front of his face. And perhaps at a casual glance, it might look a bit more salacious. I'll leave it at that. This coaster is also somewhat notable in that the coaster train is permanently stuck on the lift hill, so it actually can't move either forward or back at the movement of explorers. I've seen several references to how solidly in place the car was, and so it's interesting that it was stuck in the middle. Like, why was it stuck in the middle of the lift hill? That's that's not a normal place where it's stuck. And so this means that there are very striking photos of Akpoland that you can see that are taken from the top of the coaster's lift hill. And you look back down and you see this this gleeful woodland animal just smiling back up at you almost menacingly halfway up the lift hill, almost like it's chasing you, right? 
So then on the left-hand side, you've got these blue roofs of the pool and sauna complex glittering with reflected light from the nearby harbor. And then on the right, you've got green tangled climbing vines taking back the coaster and taking back the rest of Akpoland. Another ride that was often, always, almost, taken back by nature was nestled up above the squirrel coaster, back by the space fighters and the ducks. Another often photographed ride. This one probably has the best name of them all, and I double-checked my translations multiple times. Again, the research for this episode took forever because I had to translate each little thing. Anyway, Google Translate tells me the name of this ride is Squirrel Buckets. Squirrel Buckets. Where do you even get that? I don't even know. Please do not tell me if the actual name is different than Squirrel Buckets. I don't want to know because Squirrel Buckets is such a strange, perfect, wonderful name. I don't care about the etymology. Squirrel Buckets. This is a beautiful version of the classic rock and roll looper ride that was popular a couple decades ago. You'll remember it in a disassembled state at uh, Takako Numa Greenland, and you'll remember it semi-operational at the abandoned Yangon Amusement Park in the episodes that we've talked about it here on the Abandoned Carousel. And of course, you can find an operational version of the ride at Nobles in the United States. If that doesn't ring a bell, tuna cans on a carousel frame, all going round and round. I think it's such a picturesque ride. I would never ever ride one personally, but it's very pretty to look at. In the park's abandonment, as I mentioned, the ride was often overtaken by climbing vines, perhaps this ride most of all. And depending on the season in which the pictures were taken, In some of the seasons, you could only see the decorative finial right at the top center post of the ride, surrounded by just subtle mountains of green. And it's it's one of my favorite things. You know, we've talked about this sometimes on the Abandoned Carousel here, but just the way that nature takes back something so mechanical and turns it into this beautiful, soft, rusty green covered thing is so interesting and beautiful to me. And it's one of the things that I really like about abandoned theme parks. Okay, you've waited this long. The park's most famous or infamous ride. We've already touched on it a little bit. So I've saved it for last, referred to on the guide maps simply as Sky Cycle, the supposed killer ride, the eerie duck-themed ride that still to this day gives me the creeps every single time I scroll past an image of that gaping duck mouth and that horrifying vacant expression. I keep using that word horrifying. I hate these stupid ducks. They're very eerie. I just, ugh. Why would someone ever make a ride with such an eerie, chilling, duck-faced overlay? Why is something simple like a children's-themed duck ride, so unsettling in a world where there are admittedly many worse very bad things. I, I can't explain it, but it always sends a shiver up my spine. Whether or not the duck sky cycle actually killed someone, what is clear is that one of the sky cycle cars is wrong. Let's back up for a little bit. 
this sky cycle is different from the sky cycle that we talked about last episode at Takakonuma, Greenland. There you had sort of spindly little individual cars, and it seemed very fragile. Here at Akpoland, the sky cycles have this solid overlay of duck theme, and they are really a much more solid, heavy-duty kind of ride. At first glance, they appear to be connected in trains, but if you look at them more closely, it does seem to be that they were separate cars with bumpers on the front and back to keep them from coming too close to one another. And so if you look at the pictures of Akpoland in its abandoned state, you see just kind of a bunch of ducks up on the rails, hanging out of this station. And what is this? What is What even is this, you think? There are all these ducks up on this, on this station. And then all the ducks, they just face the same direction. They look like they're going clockwise around the track. They're lined up like a row of ducks. Ha ha. Except there are two that are not. Two cars, two ducks face the wrong direction. There are two ducks that are facing counterclockwise. The front car is on the station platform crooked. And the back car is the dangling car. It's dangling over the edge of the station, chick butt facing the ground, missing the duck head facade. This is where the supposed death occurred. Let me stop and tell you right now. That story about the car derailing and killing the girl and being left to dangle in the place, in the spot where she died. It's just impossible. Okay? I mean, it's just, it's just impossible. So I will tell you my hypothesis. And please fast forward if you'd rather I not squash your theories about the legend of Akpo Land. There is no possible way that a sky cycle car would be placed on the track going the wrong direction, in this case counterclockwise, when every other one of the cars is going the correct direction clockwise, right? Like, that's not how rides operate. You know how rides operate. So my hypothesis is that a person visiting the park in its abandonment decided for whatever reason to turn a car or two around. Is this possible? Looking at the pictures, I think it's possible. So if you look at the close-up pictures, you can see you've got the lead car and the back car. The lead car is off the track. It's, it's kind of mostly sitting on the station loading platform with one wheel in between the track and one on the station platform. And the back is really just balanced on the station. And this gives us a really good look at the wheels. The car clearly has that patented under friction wheel is what it's called that we've talked about before, at least once, I'm sure, on this podcast. And this is that special kind of wheel that is used on nearly every modern coaster to keep the car on the track during tight turns, fast turns, stuff like that. The wheels go on either side of the track and they keep the car in place. And so this duck ride has that. In the back, however, if you look at 
all of these duck cars up close, you can see that underneath the um, the duck butt, where the passengers would sit and pedal the cars, there's not actually something that's holding the cars in place. There's just sort of like flimsy metal guide arms that roughly keep the car on track. And so it seems like the car's weight and the passenger's weight were presumed to keep the car in place. But a person or people could presumably use their weight and get the car off the track. So I think what happened is that some people were at the park having a good time. And they tried to turn one of the cars around. Or perhaps they weren't really trying to turn it around, but perhaps they were trying to get the cars off the track in order to have fun with them in various places around the park because it's an abandoned theme park. That's what you're going to do. You're going to go put a weird duck head over on the carousel, you know, like take the duck car and go put it on the carousel. That sounds fun, right? Okay, so that's the attitude of these imaginary people. So these imaginary people lifted the backs of the cars and wiggled them and wrenched them until they could swing the cars around, get those wheels off the track, and then what? Well, you can't just carry this big car down the stairs. It's not going to fit and it's way too heavy. So you're going to push it. You're going to push it over the edge of the station. So these people, you know, they'd turn the cars around to get them off the track in the wrenching. And then they push them trying to get them off the track over the edge of the station. But for whatever reason, they couldn't or didn't finish the task. So one car was left dangling over the edge by a single wheel, and the other car was left cockeyed at station level. And the one car that was left dangling, they actually tore the duck facade off of. From there, you've got this dangling duck ride. Rumors could easily spread. I mean, as, as, as it's so easy, you can imagine this terrible fate from such an awful-looking situation. But truly, think about it, truly, the ride in actual operation would not have derailed this way, not with all the other cars the way that they are. So this is only a theory about what happened to the Sky Cycle, but I'd say it's a guess close to the truth. A girl might have fallen off the duck ride and died. It's awfully high. I just don't know about that. But the car was not left dangling in its place if any incident like that actually occurred. That's just not how the ride is set up. So the final, ominous, broken positions of these cars were most certainly done after the fact. And were possibly done in order to spread these kinds of rumors but they were not how someone died. No one died like that. Again, this is just my hypothesis, but think about it logically. It wasn't until late 2011 that the park was actually demolished, over a decade after its closure. You've heard about all the rides now. In the time between its closure in 1999 and its actual demolition in 2011, Plenty of urban explorers visited and photographed the park. You can find all kinds of photos and trip reports 
on the internet or just go to my website where I've linked all these things in my references section. Seemingly on each visit, the beheaded duck facade really was in a different place. That was the thing. Was it on a visitor this time? Was it a photo shoot? Was it on a carousel horse? Was it tucked away in the vines to try and spook someone? Ultimately, it appears that the park became a target of vandalism and arson until the city and the ownership companies couldn't ignore the problem any longer. It was called the quote-unquote city's monster. Collecting trash and garbage, becoming increasingly rusted and blighted up on the top of the hill in plain sight, right from all the city. Though some reports claim a single company purchased the land and then did nothing with it for years, other reports do differ. One local news source actually does break the sale of Okpo land down, and I'm going to summarize it here. This article states that, quote, short-term mortgages were set up by three people, end quote. And then they note that the park was sold again to a Mr. Park in November of 2000. Then there were two, quote, seizure and claims for transfer of ownership, end quote. But the article notes that these were eliminated. Ultimately, that large shipbuilding company that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, DSME, purchased the site in November of 2006, and they are considered the current owners even to this day. Um, The article reports that the company originally had plans to redevelop the site and build something else. Um, I've seen references to a big fancy hotel. I've seen references to uh, various types of residential complexes. But considering that as of the time of this recording, the land is still empty, as far as I know, I'm guessing that something went wrong. Um, The article that I'm referring to right here in this section talks about urban management plans. And I think there's probably a little something that's lost in translation that I'm not understanding. Perhaps it sounds like there were issues with zoning, other city ordinances, you know, bureaucracy, stuff like that. But... Ultimately, in 2011, the park was demolished. It was returned to bare earth, and it has not been redeveloped since. There's a really cool video on YouTube um, from 2017 from user A Million Toms, and it actually shows a hike up to the site of the former theme park. Um, And it actually appears easy to access from his video with just kind of like broken down fencing blocking the road from cars, but not stopping people. There's not really much to see up there. It appears to be primarily bare land and vegetation, again, depending on the time of the season that you go. Um, A Million Toms does come across in his video an interesting broken piece of fiberglass decoration. And if I have time, I will um, link uh, the before and after, but it's actually a former piece of the Viking ship, what appeared to be kind of like a buffalo decoration, which is kind of cool that it's still there. Even in 2017, you can still see a little bit of Akpo land. People love to come up with rumors. People love sensational stories. I mean, that is why I put this episode around Halloween time. And these stories really build upon themselves when passed from person to person in that urban legend format. And this, this is the story of Akpo land. In the later years of its abandonment, that broken duck-themed sky cycle placed just so on accident or purpose 
by a visitor to the park after its closure, spurred rumors of death of an owner who left everything in place and ran, or perhaps he was killed in a car accident, but certainly he gave no compensation to the girl's family, of course. It's all rumor. It's all hearsay. It's all fiction. The park very likely closed due to lack of money against a background of the poor economy of the late 90s. A series of different owners and bureaucratic issues delayed the demolition of the park, and still have stalled any further redevelopment there. The truth, as it turns out, is kind of boring. Akpo Land really did seem like a charming small park, generic with some truly bizarre theming. That duck face from that stupid sky cycle is honestly one of the spookiest things that I have seen. Those eyes, they just haunt you. They stare in either direction and they follow you as you move. Oh, awful. But ultimately, I mean, Aqualand was just a simple amusement park, a fun place for kids, fun place for families while it lasted, with boring, everyday prosaic reasons for closure. Two, it does seem like it was a fun place to visit during its long abandonment, even if there are these over-the-top, deadly rumors that stem from potentially staged rides and word of mouth. It is Halloween season when this episode is released, so of course you can imagine whatever urban legend you like. The truth is boring. Fictional stories are so much more thrilling. Happy Halloween. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Abandoned Carousel, where this week we talked about the legend and the truth of Akho Land in South Korea. You can always find the show notes and references at my website for this episode. It's theabandonedcarousel.com backslash 24. I'd love to hear from you with questions, comments, clarifications, suggestions for future shows. Oh my goodness. It has been a wild ride. I cannot believe how long the research gets and how fun this still is. Thank you for putting up with me. I hope you're still enjoying. I don't know which episode I'm going to put out in two weeks. It's going to be two weeks. You'll have to come back and see, but I know it's going to be a good one. Remember, as Lucy Maud Montgomery once said, nothing is ever really lost to us as long as we remember it. <laughs>